Welcome to the Quickfire Podcast. My name is Nathan Jackson. I'm here with Nathan Farmer, here to talk about all things UVU sports. Nathan, how are we doing this week? I'm doing great. Uh, it was a kind of a rough weekend for UVU sports, um, but I think they'll bounce back this week. We've got new sports starting up this week. We do have college basketball, and man, yeah. am I excited. Oh, yes. that I Man, college basketball, that's probably my second favorite sport next to baseball, specifically college basketball. I, I love just the environments of the home gyms and everything. I guess just NCAA tournament is the greatest spectacle in all of sports, in my opinion. Yeah. So we'll start out with women's soccer this week. In the route to the WAC finals, the team defeated Sam Houston State six to one and Stephen F. Austin one to zero. The season came to an end on Sunday with a three to zero loss to Grand Canyon in the WAC tournament final. The game was much closer than the scoreline indicated, and it was one to zero in the 62nd minute when Sadie Brockbank was shown a red card for a bad tackle. Sadie Brockbank, Brianna Eves, and Amber Tripp were all named to the all-tournament team. I just want to say I had so much fun covering the women's soccer team this season. They're a very good team. I, I would say probably at least in the top three like best teams on campus right now. Uh, and I would the future is definitely bright for this team. I mean, they're they're losing three players this year. I believe it's Amber Tripp, uh, Brooklyn Nielsen, and uh, Brianna DeWall. But aside from that, I mean. They're all the other players on the team. They're really good talents, really good at what they do. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do next season. And I think that uh, a lot of people had super high expectations for this team coming in, especially after a COVID year where they really performed well and were able to take that WAC championship, right? Um, but I think in a non-COVID year, when you have a regular full schedule and you're not canceling games, I think that it is a lot uh, tougher and you have to grind out those wins especially on the road um, and I just don't think that this team uh, defensively was able to hold out when in extended periods especially against good offensive teams like GCU um, but I think that they'll definitely be back next year I think that they'll be back in the I honestly think that they'll be back in the championship game next year uh, I can't say for sure but I think that they had a great season this season and they are uh, definitely a spectacle in terms of UVU athletics. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, switching over to men's soccer, they capped off their regular season with a 2-1 to win over Cal Baptist on Friday. Uh, Jojea Quizera logged a goal and an assist in the victory, earning WAC Offensive Player of the Week honors. So congratulations to him. Uh, the team will now move on to the WAC tournament, where they will face San Jose State in the opening round. I believe that's the quarterfinals, technically. On Wednesday, uh, November 10th. I guess, oh wait, that's tomorrow. Yeah, that is tomorrow. <laughs> um, so UVU, they lost their only meeting to the Spartan with the Spartans. Uh, that game, I was at Clyde Field for that one. That was a very, very chippy match. I don't remember how many yellow cards there were shown to both teams. Um, but in the end, the Spartans were down to 10 players because they had a player shown a red card. And even despite that, they were able to... Uh, score the game-winning goal, go ahead, and then just <laughs> play. I mean, I, they had every single player back on defense. They weren't even – they were they just, weren't pushing it. As soon you know, as you score that goal, you don't have to. It's just damage control at that point. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that's a very winnable game mm-hmm. for the men's soccer team. I, I would say they should have beaten San Jose State even before uh, they were down to 10 players. I mean, obviously, when the other team is down a player, you – 
you should beat them. Yeah, I think at least be able to score on them. That was a missed opportunity, but I think that they have a lot to prove in terms of um, how they have played. And I mean, they hung with number three Washington this season. Mm -hmm. I think that they can play with anybody. It's just a matter of how aggressive they are coming out. And I think that this team has a whole lot to prove coming into this WAC tournament and they're looking to make a statement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw, we saw last, this past weekend uh, when they faced the top two teams in the WAC um, at the time, at least I think air force has kind of fallen off a little bit, but they, they just totally dismantled air force. They beat them three to nil, I believe. And then I think they lost. What was it? It was two zero. I believe that they lost to uh, to Grand Canyon. Yeah, they're and they're in the top twenty five. I believe they're the they they're I believe in the coaches poll for the twenty five twenty fifth spot. Yeah, so I mean that, that was, those are two really good teams, two of the best teams in the conference, and they hung with them. I I definitely think they can. This wouldn't be like a scalding hot take to say that they could go on a run and win the WAC tournament. I think that's very much. For within sure. Within their power. Speaking of the WAC, the all WAC teams were announced for uh, men's soccer this past week. Um, and UBU had four players named to the all WAC freshman team goalie Jason Smith, midfielder Alejandro Silva, defender Mateo Palomino, and midfielder Diego Castillo were all named to the all freshman team. Uh, Silva and Castillo were also named to the all WAC second team. And Castillo was named the WAC Freshman Player of the Year, which I didn't even realize he was a freshman. Honestly. I didn't. He's, he he is he's going to be limitless a star. potential. Yeah. yeah, he's going to be a stud. I think that. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of games this season where he pulled them out of the trenches offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be one of the top players. I would say in the WAC, maybe even on the whole West Coast going forward. Oh I would yeah. Say. Moving on to volleyball, they had a rough week again this week, losing both matches three to one against GCU and New Mexico State. Their final home matches of the season are this week, facing off against Cal Baptist and Seattle U to close out the season. A senior day is on Saturday against Seattle U. Yeah, I man, it's been. It's been it's, you don't want to say disappointing, but it definitely. You definitely feel like the volleyball team has underachieved a bit where they've lost a lot of close matches and blown a lot of leads late in sets mm-hmm. that have led to them. Because they've been there really hasn't been a whole lot of sets where they've been down and out for the count. Yeah. I think that they have been within striking range or even up most of the time, and then they'll just let teams rally back into it and take over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is this is going way back, like early in the season. But when you look at like going up against BYU, they they hung with them for all three sets, even though it was a sweep. And BYU, they're I believe I just saw they're number five in the country. Now. They're high up there, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's just so many games, been so many games this year where they just haven't been able to find that that second gear where they can just close out a set, go on a run, and uh, find that last little bit of last little burst to just close out a set. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we're, we've mentioned multiple times, like those five set matches that they've, they're just so many close matches that they could have gone either way. I mean, even those four set matches, these four, and it's the four set ones that they lose three to one, but they were completely in it for the first yeah, two like sets they, that they, they dropped. Lose, they lose like 25, 23 or something. And like it's that. after they had a 23 to 19 lead. And then they just, yeah. it's always like, 
I almost think it's mental at this point where mm-hmm. they see that other team making a run and they make errors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I haven't the whole Lackwest division is just super tightly contested. And that's I think that's kind of a testament to how just top to bottom this conference is in volleyball. And there's really only one doormat team, I would say, in Seattle U. They're one in ten in conference this season. Um, but I mean when you look at the rest of the conference, Cal Baptist, New Mexico State, Grand Canyon, Chicago State, UVU, they're all within a game or two of each other. Mm-hmm. Which I mean I think that just speaks to how <laughs> all these games have been toss-ups. I mean, it's, I don't think it's just UVU that has been, these games have been kind of toss-ups for their, it's just top to bottom, but the, the whole lackluster division, I would say. Uh, moving on to wrestling. Uh, wrestling kicked off their season with a three-to-one day at the UNC Duels that is Northern Colorado, not Chapel Hill. Yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> had to be clarified on that. <laughs> um, they defeated a trio of non-D1 schools at with Dewan University, Northern Idaho College, and Northwest Kansas Tech before narrowly losing to Northern Colorado 19-15. Number eight, Demetrius Romero, Jackson Grout, and Jacob Armstrong, and Jaden Woodruff all recorded wins in their matches against UNC, while a number of the younger wrestlers got action in the earlier duels. And uh, number six, Taylor Lamont, he did not wrestle in the meet because he just competed in the under-23 World Championships a few days ago in Serbia where he recorded a fifth-place finish. I mean, that's pretty big. Going basically wrestling for Team USA. Yeah, He made it to the bronze medal match. He lost, but, I mean, making it even to the bronze medal match, that's huge. Well, and you can basically, I mean, granted, I mean, you can basically say you're the fifth best wrestler in the under twenty three. Yeah, right. That's awesome. World. I mean that's that's still yeah, that's he, still, back, still bragging rights, I would say. I mean I'm sure if you asked Taylor, he'd be like he, he's still happy about how he performed. I'm sure he yeah. would have liked to go all the way like everybody would have, but I mean yeah. he definitely represented UVU and the United States well. Oh absolutely yeah. Uh switching over to cross country, just a quick note. Uh, the NCAA regionals are this Friday, November twelfth, hosted by BYU at the Timpanogos Golf Club. Uh, both the men's and women's teams will be competing in that. Um, so good luck to them. That's a, a big time, big event, big especially time competition. After I mean BYU, just BYU in general. I mean they're both top five in the nation in cross country. So that's going to be some tough competition there for sure. Especially coming off of your WAC championship win from the women's and second place mm-hmm. finish for the men's. I think that they're in prime season form to have show up and have a good performance. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to some news and notes. College basketball season starts tonight. Men's basketball will play at Boise State and here at the UCCU Center versus Antelope Valley and at Pepperdine on Monday. Women's basketball will play Park University here at the UCCU Center before playing Fresno State and then playing at Southern Utah next Tuesday. I'm so excited. I think, okay, a lot of the new recruits for the men's and women's teams, I think that they're going to show up and they're going to make a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talia White, um, Sage Gibb on the women's team. And then for the men's team, you have Connor Harding, Colby Leafson, Tyrell Phillips, a whole new group of additions, Justin Harmon, 6'4 guard. I think that all of these guys are going to make a huge difference coming into the season. And I think that it's going to be a lot more of an athletic team this season mm-hmm. that's going to be able to run up and down the floor. I think both teams have the potential to take the respective uh, conference championships. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
you still with women's you still have to go through Cal, Cal Baptist, which is the I, major test. I, I don't think they lost a single game last year. Right? Last year they went, I believe, twenty four and zero before losing in the semifinal of the NIT. Yeah, so I mean that's gosh, that's gonna they're gonna be obviously the top team, the team to be and in the whack. Barring sure. any like I don't know how many returning players Cal Baptist had last season for this season, mm-hmm. but I think that regardless, they're very well coached, and yeah. I think that they will have a great season. So I think that's going to be the. Wolverine's biggest rival in terms of the whack for women's basketball, especially. Yeah, I mean, I remember covering the uh, road game against Cal Baptist last year for uh, women's basketball. The first quarter, I think UVU got doubled up. It was like 30 to 15 or something like that. But then the, the entire rest of the game, they went even with Cal Baptist. And granted, they were probably, I wouldn't say not trying as hard, but they were kind of coasting, I would say. Because they knew they had a big lead, but I mean, I th- I think turnovers were the biggest thing. For the oh yeah, for the women's team especially, Absolutely. they had I think in the uh, WAC championship game against GCU, I believe they had something like twenty three turnovers. Yeah, um, and I think that just is shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, well, I'm sure that that's something they've worked on, and I'm sure that's something they were working on all of last season as well. But men's basketball, man, that team, I think they're, they're a sleeper team for the NCAA tournament, I would say. I think they could. That, that would be really exciting to see the Wolver- oh, yeah. like the men's basketball team in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, coming out of the WAC, you probably get a 16 seed, but you get a matchup. Just like uh, the women's team did last year against like a number one seed like Stanford. So for men's, it's probably going to be like Duke, Kansas, those big Power yeah. 5 programs. I, I think depending on how UVU does it in the regular season, because obviously I think any team in the top half of the WAC could go on a run and yeah, win the tournament. Get hot. Yeah. Especially in basketball. I mean, all you have to do is have a few a stretch of games where you shoot 40, 50% and yeah. you're cruising. Yeah, because I mean, there's, there's four or five teams, I would say New Mexico State, Grand Canyon, Stephen F. Austin, UVU. I, it's, there's at least four teams that could just go on a run. I mean, uh, Stephen F. Austin. Oh, Abilene Christian. That's what I yeah. meant to say. Abilene Christian. I mean, you've got three teams with tournament pedigree in mm-hmm. Stephen F. Austin, Grand Canyon, and Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian just coming off of a tournament win this past season, beating Texas in the opening round. That's a big upset. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it wouldn't be too far-fetched to see whatever WAC team that wins the conference to be like a 13 or 14 seed. Which we've seen plenty of upsets. We've seen in those. We have seen situations. those. That fourteen and uh, three matchup is always uh, yeah, always those are, those traditionally all, the biggest upsets. Yeah, those are those are the bracket busters yeah. right there for sure. And I don't think that uh, UVU, if they made the NCAA tournament, would necessarily come in like a UMBC where they're like biggest underdogs versus a Virginia. I think that. Um, depending on how they play to start out, I think that uh, with how they've had Dawes kind of slim down, kind of start. He says he wants to shoot forty percent plus from three, right? So he's going to be playing a stretch four or five, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're going to look to get out and run, and I think it's going to be a very dynamic offense. Well, I, I think um, two games that are going to be big barometers for like measuring how UVU can compete with potential tournament teams are going to be this game tonight against Boise State. Yeah. Who was a? They were a bubble team. I don't believe they they didn't make it in last season. Um, but, and then uh, at home against BYU for sure. Oh yeah, that BYU team. We don't need to talk about them obviously because they're 
this is a UVU podcast. <laughs> that, that team is stacked. They're going to be a really tough team to beat. They can hang with any team. Um, but yeah, that, that game is going to be really big to see how UVU can compete with the top yeah. teams in the country. And I mean, Boise State is a huge non-conference game for them. I don't think that UVU went out and got like a Duke or a Kansas this year, mm-hmm. like they have traditionally in the past. Yeah. But I still think that that's, if you get that win, that's a solid non-conference win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to the Jazz, they are playing very well, although this past week they did not so much. Um, I think my prediction last week and was 3-1, uh, and one, right? No, you yours mine was three and one. Yours was two and two. I think I was on the money then because they. <laughs> I, think you, you said th- I said that they would back. beat the Kings, right? And you said they would lose to the Kings, and they beat yeah. the Kings on Tuesday, um, and then they beat Atlanta, but they lost to Miami and Orlando. And I definitely remember saying that a team like Orlando could come in any night and beat anybody with Cole Anthony. Yeah, yes, I think you were right on the money with that <laughs> predict. What's the, what's the word Pr- prediction? Like, just combine prediction and projection. I don't know what what the heck that was. But I mean, Miami's playing really well. I they went toe to. I'm pretty sure they beat Denver last night. Um, and uh, although uh, that, that one was uh, that whole Jokic situation, uh, Jokic <laughs> ejected. Yeah, he's getting, he's going to be facing a suspension, hefty suspension. I would say probably around three yeah, that games was or so. At least that was a pretty much a cheap shot. Not that I I don't I don't really like Morris Brothers. I think the vast majority <laughs> of NBA fans don't really like them. I think that they're they're kind of like Patrick Beverly type players where oh, they yeah. come in to just yeah. kind of throw off the other team's rhythm and they put up a lot of threes. Yeah. Um, but I think that. Um, Marcus especially he is more of an offensive type player and I could see like where that frustration come from, came from with Jokic but obviously mm-hmm. don't want to let that out in the way that he did I was a great win against the Kings for the Jazz I think Mitchell had a big game on against Miami didn't he I want to say like 37 points I think so yeah I mean the, both of those games against Miami and Orlando those were both like toss-up games I think they lost to Miami by five and then Orlando by seven <laughs> so they were, they were really close games they just they just couldn't uh, close it out down the stretch get take the lead obviously yeah and this week for the Jazz they get that rematch versus Atlanta and since that's an Eastern Conference team I believe that's the only other time they play them this year mm-hmm. correct yeah yeah I mean I if I wasn't busy tonight I would I mean well if if I had Unlimited amount of time and resources. I would be, I would be, be at the Jazz every, Arena every night, right? <laughs> oh yeah, but I mean, that's one of the games that I would that would be on my quote unquote bucket list for the season to like go and see Trey Young play. Uh huh. So I mean, he's John he's, Collins. I love John Collins' game. Yeah, I mean Trey Young though. He's he's one of my top favorite players to watch. I mean, watching him just totally light up the playoffs last year was super fun. He's, mm-hmm. I've always felt that he's been under undervalued, underappreciated. Especially coming out of college, everybody thought he was uh, overhyped. And- I don't know. He, I, de- I definitely think that ESPN ran a whole lot of uh, Trey Young service where they even had yeah. – I was watching a BYU game on ESPN2 one time and there was Trey Young point counter across the top of the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember watching a couple so of I think he, I, I feel like he was adequately hyped. <laughs> yeah, well – that's true. Okay. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> but he definitely has performed past my expectations, at least, in terms of offensively. Yeah. I didn't think he would be able to do what he did in college in the league, and he's come out and proved me wrong. Mm, yeah, for sure. 
And then the other two games against the Pacers in Miami this week. Those Man, Eastern Conference be, teams. Yeah, I mean, this, it's a big homestand, I think. And then they also play uh, next Tuesday, a week from today, uh, Philadelphia at home. That's a... That'll be... That's a, Gosh. Well, I mean, Ben Simmons will probably not be in attendance. Oh, yeah. But I think that uh, Joel Embiid and Rudy Gobert definitely have some beef. Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, that's one of those just random beefs that's out there in the NBA. And I think... Didn't they, did they already play in Philly? I don't think they did. So I mean, we'll, still, we'll still get one more, mm-hmm. at least one more game of that. Uh, that beef mm-hmm. <laughs> at some point this season. And I think but. that oh, Embiid is a better offensive player, but on defense, I think that Gobert gets in Embiid's head a little bit, uh, especially when Embiid's driving to the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been some times where Gobert's gotten the best of him, and I think mm-hmm. that that's a great matchup down low. In terms of who I think will win this week, I think that the Jazz will t- probably drop this one to Atlanta tonight. Seems like they're slumping a little bit on offense. Uh, but then I think they'll write the ship against the Pacers and Miami. I think that the Pacers have a really good team. They've got Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the Jazz offense just better suits that Pacers defense than it does mm-hmm. um, trying to outscore Atlanta. I think Atlanta's got a really good offense and I think that it would kind of be a shootout would probably be like game into the like the 120s 130s yeah. Um, yeah and then Miami has a great offense but they've also got a really physical defense they got Bam Adebayo Jimmy Butler and that team I think will um, give the Jazz a really tough time but I think that the Jazz will kind of be coming off that three game losing stretch and after the win against Miami or win against uh, Indiana be trying to kind of right the ship and uh, get on a streak there yeah, I'd say I think the only well, there's no such thing as guaranteed victory in the NBA, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think the only the only victory I feel super confident about this week is over Indiana. I think the Jazz match up well with mm-hmm. Indiana. Yeah, but I think uh, versus Atlanta. I mean, I don't. Is Mike Conley still out? I think he is. Yes. Yeah. So if if Mike Conley if Mike Conley's not suiting up to lock down Trey Young tonight, I don't think that's that's not a good matchup for them, I think. Because you can't put Royce on Trey Young because then you leave the four spot open and John Collins is... Yeah. I mean, you have to put Ingles on Collins and I think at that point, yeah, that's what you burned. Yes, yeah, so I, I think that just if a healthy Jazz team versus a healthy Hawks team, I think the Jazz would match up well yeah. with them. But just the fact that they're not healthy, I think that's, that's going to be a tough matchup tonight. Um, obviously... By the time this podcast comes out, it's going to be old news. Yeah, right. Like, we'll, we'll Sorry, we're going to have this final score. Proven but. wrong or proven right. Either way, I hope we're proven right. <laughs> that so, hardly ever happens, honestly. Uh, I, was, I, I was on the money this <laughs> last week. At least week. for me. You, you get, you've gotten the better predictions so far this season. I, I was. I think you got me the first week. I feel like you had a. we were both like wrong. I think because the Jazz went 4-0, and I think we both underpredicted. I think I said the Jazz would go like two and two, and you said like three and one. Okay, yeah. Um, but I think for this week, I'm going to go with two and one. Um, and then you said the game against Philly. If we're concluding that one, I'd say two and two. Yeah, I see. Usually, I when I like over like over predict like predict the Jazz to do really well, they actually do really well. Mm-hmm. And then when I pick them to do really bad, they do really bad. 
So I don't know because I feel like this is going to be the fate of the universe is hanging in your hands to Jazz playoff hopes. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like this is a really tough stretch against some teams from the Eastern Conference that are all playoff teams. And you sure. have the home court advantage, but I mean that's true. Yeah, the fact that you're playing like Miami and Atlanta and Philly back to back to back, I think that's really tough. Well, the, I, hmm. you know what? I think I'll go three and zero. Three, three and zero, and then including the Philly game, what do you say? Four and zero, or I'll three say and one? three and one. Okay, that's fair. Maybe. Oh, gosh, this is so tough. <laughs> no, because I think a, a big factor this in the Jazz potentially having a good, really good week this week is the fact that none of these games are back to back. Like yeah. they have off days between each game, so I think that that fact. That factor. There's good spacing will, between. Yeah, I think that factor will uh, go in the Jazz's favor. I, I'll, I'll say three zero against, okay. against my better judgment. <laughs> I think that the biggest X factor for the Jazz is not going to be Donovan Mitchell. I think it's going to be Jordan Clarkson mm-hmm. because when Clarkson has a good game, they win. Uh, and I mean, it's been proven where if Clarkson kind of slumps on offense coming off the bench. Uh, you saw last year's playoffs. I mean, the rest of the offense struggled. And when you don't yeah. have bench production coming in and, like, people coming in with aggressiveness and assertiveness, making shots, uh, you just fall into more and more deficits. So I think that Jordan Clarkson is the biggest X factor for that Jazz team. Well, a- absolutely. I mean, you you know what you're going to get from Donovan Mitchell. You know you're going to get roughly anywhere from about 20 to 40 points mm-hmm. any night from Donovan. So, I mean, everybody else stepping up here – Joe Ingles, your yeah. Bogdanovich. Joe Ingles definitely guys. needs, for the Jazz to be a contender, Joe Ingles needs to be prime for him. Mm-hmm. Like, not like last season where he kind of faded a bit. Yeah. Uh, and definitely not like the 2019 season where he disappeared. But mm-hmm. he needs to be like he looked in 2018 when they were playing against the Clippers. Like mm-hmm. that form of Joe Ingles. On a completely unrelated note, the Warriors are 9-1. and one. Steph Curry scored 50 points last night. This is insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> I, there's, I saw this thing on Twitter last night. This one Warriors fan, I don't, I don't think I follow him, but oh, I get a ton of other Warriors fans I follow. I follow this guy, and they've been retweeting. See, he predicted the Warriors to go nine and one. Wow! With their opening schedule, man, somebody then, had. A heads up, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, you think, like, did he, like, from Back to the Future, did he get, like, the Biff's, like, sports book or whatever that has, like, all the sports almanac that has all the records or whatever or something? But then, like, the, some of, like, the national media were picking up on, like, how Warriors fans are being, quote-unquote, delusional and overhyping the team or whatever. Yeah. And then everybody's like, dude, I mean, we weren't overhyping the team. I, I have always said that the Jazz biggest threat was the Warriors and the Warriors almost ended up playing the I thought last playoffs that the Warriors were going to play the Jazz yeah I was I was genuinely concerned for the Jazz to be able to get out of that series even with that team as constructed and now they're even better and Chloe mm-hmm. Thompson's going to be coming back December but yeah. the Warriors offensive style very well matches up against the Jazz's defensive style and all it takes is 
Wiseman or Draymond Green to come in mm-hmm. and kind of burn Gobert, like driving to the basket, where Gobert's not as quick to be able to stay on his heels. Mm-hmm. And I think that that drive and kick game where you have you go to Steph, swing around the corner to Damian Lee, to mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, like that offensive style in particular is always giving the Jazz trouble. Yeah, well, I've already got it marked down on my calendar January 1st. I think I might be in attendance at that game. Uh, Golden State Warriors at the Jazz. I think my parents are going to be in town for that we, at that point. So I'm, I, I will definitely be there. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I, I think that's going to be a family event. All yep. of us going to yep. that game for sure. I'm going to my dad call after this. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. Well, that's it for the Quick Fire Podcast this week. Be sure to tune in next week and see uh, if our jazz predictions were anywhere close. Yeah. Uh, as well as to hear anything else about uh, UBU sports. What? And be sure to check out Nathan Farmer on Twitter, NLFarmer1. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week, and uh, you guys have a wonderful week.